What's up, everybody? This is Tanner from TamanBaseballFan.com. I'm on my uh, nightly walk and wanted to uh, drop a, another podcast episode for you here uh, while I'm walking. And uh, yeah, I was thinking about a lot of uh, uh, a lot of different things, but especially for right now, I was thinking about uh, defining the cardboard relationship. And uh, I'm sure you've always, you've heard defining the relationship, of course, which means, you know, you sit down with somebody and say, okay, so where are we at in this relationship? Well, when it comes to defining the cardboard relationship, we're, of course, talking about what collection we want to build for ourselves. Because the way that I see it is I see a collection as like a, almost like a living, breathing, ever-changing entity where uh you know you could have certain tastes in one year and next year you might not like the same stuff so thankfully cards are easy to um buy sell and trade so you're never really stuck um with what you have sometimes that means you might take a loss uh, but that's okay because you can always make it up later um, so I will give you an example of kind of like where I am and how I got to where I am in my journey by telling you a few stories. Um, so first of all, uh, I do know, uh, the first time that I picked up a one of one Conseco, I think it was a 2015 tech one of one, not autographed or anything, but it was a one of one. I remember that the seller spelled uh the name Kinseiko wrong and this was so keep in mind also by the way 2015 was right when they started making uh one of ones in mass so 2014 they had a lot of them 2015 they continued and i'm talking about licensed uh, cards like nowadays i mean my goodness forget about it there are tons of one of ones every every player have been printed but back then one of ones were like a really big deal regardless of uh of what type of brand or or what type it was so uh, i remember getting it and holding this one of one in my hand in my hands when i'm going and thinking like wow this is the only one this is the only one of this card and i am the owner it was like kind of a powerful feeling like a good feeling that I had something unique. I had something special. And, you know, of course, uh, 2015 tech had like 15 or 20 different parallels. So, you know, (laughs) so while it was unique for its color and serial stamping, you know, it wasn't really unique by its design or, or anything because you'd have, uh, the blue, the red, the black and white, the, um, gold, the, you know, the different, uh, several different types of parallel, uh, parallels as well, the autographs, the non-autographs. And I mean, there was just all kinds of them, especially for tech, uh, tons and tons and tons of them. But nevertheless, I was just so excited about this. And I started thinking to myself, I'm going to chase this feeling here. So I started getting, uh, all the one-on-ones I could of Canseco. And by the time I sold out, I think I had uh, a little over 200 
unique one of ones. And I don't believe that takes into consideration any of the prototypes or uh, you know, the types of cards like that um, that I had. Like actual one of ones, which is a big deal. So uh, when I came back to doing what I'm doing now, like I knew that that was not uh, what I want to aspire to collect. Uh, you know, I was not going to be beholden to the almighty serial number. Um, I was looking forward to really kind of looking at what I wanted. And I'll get into a little later of uh, how I defined my cardboard relationship. But before I do that, I want to talk uh, tell you another story. And this comes around to a Topps Archive Signature Series. So in 2015, again, so I guess later on in that year, I was, you know, full swing, uh, going into super collectordom. By the end of 2015, super pumped about everything. Really excited about buybacks, for instance. Um, they never showed up. Like, there were a few that Tops had done, like, a decade prior. And then, of course, you had, like, the Donner's Recollections of 2002, 3, 4. Uh, SP buybacks of 2000. So they were, like, rare. You know, they were meant to be rare. So you, so Tops, Donruss, uh, Upper Deck, they would take these cards. For those of you all who don't know what a buyback is, I'll give you a quick rundown of it. Because I'm asked this fairly frequently. Um, is that a card company will take, let's say Tops, for example, will take a 1987 Tops uh, Bo Jackson. And let's say they have a stack of 50 of these 87 Tops Bo Jacksons. They'll have Bo sign all 50 of them and serial number them one through 50 or one through 10 for one year, one through 13 for another year, one through 17 through another year, and one through five next year, and one through four the next year, and then finally a one of one or something. Just, you know, just as an example. So basically what that means is Tops bought back the cards in circulation and I uh, had the player sign, and they stamped them, uh, serial numbered them, and, you know, packaged them back out, uh, whether they're inserts into existing products or otherwise. So that's what buyback is. And they were really rare. So in 2015, I saw something that I had never seen before, and I was really excited about it. It was a 2015, it was called Topps Archives, signature series uh, and it was a 1988 tops jose canseco and it was a little off center but it was signed it was numbered to 24 i think it was and i remember getting like insanely excited about this because uh i mean like i could not click the buy it now trigger fast enough and i bought it and i was like excited like yes this buyback is coming to me now, and I've never seen it before. How cool. And then an hour later, another buyback pops up. Oh, cool. Okay, I buy that one too. And then later on that night, I think a few others dropped, and I'm like, okay, what's going on here? <laughs> I feel like I've been tricked. These are not rare. <laughs> and so keep in mind, this is 2015. This is the start of the Archive Signature Series uh, program. 
So, um, and to tell you all uh, a little bit of differences about these also, is Topps not only have the players sign them and then serial number them themselves with their you know stamp and machine stamp, they would also encase them in their holders and put a top seal on top of it, and they would be sold. I think they were like one to one per box. So this uh, the Topps Archive Signature Series cards are actually it's actually the box of cards. Like you you buy a box of this and you have you end up getting one of these buybacks or two or whatever it is. So anyways, um, <laughs> over the next several months, uh, I remember, you know, there was like a one of one that would pop up. So I got that. Then there was another one of one that popped up. Go, man, this is really strange. Like <laughs> they keep, <laughs> I remember getting into bidding wars with people. Uh, uh, one or two guys in particular uh, for these buybacks where you know, it would go sometimes for just base buybacks over $500. Like on average, you're looking at uh, 300 plus per one of one, which was craziness. Um, but back then, that's all there was. And so it was like still really exciting and new and all this. And so uh, at the end of the year, uh, you know, we ended up having, you know, a whole slew of uh, not only uh, just buybacks from Topps Archive Signature Series, but one of ones. And not just one of ones. Like there were out of twos, out of threes, out of fours, out of fives, a whole lot of uh, low number stuff. Like uh, I was featured on the Topps website um, because of my buyback collection. I had over a hundred of them when all of a sudden done tons of low numbers like it was nuts and uh you know you can actually see at kinsecocollector.com uh that's uh that's kind of like the database that shows my everything from my old collection you can see how many buybacks i had there like it was unreal like <laughs> i had just a ton of these i don't even remember how many one of ones the buybacks alone but i think it was uh couple dozen at least or something um and so uh which oh, that was all fine and dandy um then 2016 rolls around and they decide to release 2016 tops archives uh, signature series and these buybacks are the same except the stamp that they have is like gold instead of silver or something like that and the seal on the case is on the left uh, as opposed to the right from the year prior or vice versa. And so, you know, I started thinking, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure what I think about this. Um, <laughs> I, went, I went pretty hard on these cards here. And as an example, like the 1987 Topps uh, Rookie Cup Conseco, there was like the 2015, I think they had it numbered to 10 or 12. 13, something like that. I don't remember what it was, but it was a low number. The next year, they come back with them and they number it to like 59 or something. I go, eh, that kind of makes it feel like less special. And to uh, add insult to injury, there are some one of ones that were uh, cards that were actual one of ones uh, in 2015. 
they now serial number it as out of five or 10 or something like that in the next year. They go, man, that just doesn't seem right. It kind of takes like the specialness away, <laughs> I felt like. So anyways, 2017, um, I don't think there was uh, uh, an archive signature series for Kinseiko and then, or maybe it's 2018. Anyways, there was just still a handful of, of years. Like they just did some more in 2020 and 2021. Um, and uh, it's just absolutely nutty. And so they kept <laughs> kept bringing these out. So because of this, um, you know, that's, uh, you know, I said, you know what? This is one good concrete way to kind of, you know, kind of put, you know, like draw a line in the sand and say, okay, I've got to, I've got to stop what I'm doing here. And this didn't really apply to me too much because I was already out of the super collecting game as it was. But for those of you that aren't, and you're thinking, man, this is a, uh, <laughs> this is a treadmill. And I don't know how to get off. Like I'm selling, I'm spending money as fast as, uh, you know, the card companies can make these things. Uh, you know, you don't want to put yourself in the, at the mercy of what the card companies are producing. So anyways, but that's, uh, that's where, uh, I know I was, um, <laughs> you know, you could have 30, 40, 50 new one of ones introduced inside that single product. And you know, it just didn't really seem fair and <laughs> didn't really seem fun. It was kind of like, oh man, I hope he's not in this release now. Oh yeah, he is. And so, you know, anyways, as far as like, for example, the 87 tops, Rookie Cup Kinseko goes, like he's had probably without counting, I want to say like six or seven or eight years, like different versions of that same card that's just buybacked with like, uh, bought back this, uh, just with like a different serial number or different color stamp or something, but it's the same card. And uh, so, you know, that's not really uh, something I knew that I wanted to uh, get into a situation of, uh, of collecting every single one of them. So uh, now as it sits, I have exactly three buybacks. And if I dropped this podcast a week ago, I would have said I only have one, one buyback. <laughs> so I've got a, uh, I think it's a 95 finest refractor. Uh, one of one, it was the only, it was the only buyback for Kinseiko that was a refractor that I've ever seen. Um, until a couple weeks ago when I saw another one. Now the, the only thing that's kind of differentiates uh, mine from the others is that it was during his playing career. Uh, the other buyback that I saw was a 2018 Stadium Club Refractor. Uh, beautiful, beautiful card. Seems kind of strange to buy back a 2018 card. Um, you know, it makes sense for a card during his playing career, but nevertheless, that's what they do. And by the way, um, the other two that I picked up this past week are one of ones of Alan Ginner Minis, 2016-2017. So I don't have much room to <laughs> to say anything about that. But anyway, so, and the reason why I picked these up is because uh, I hadn't seen any other Alan and Ginter uh, mini buybacks for Kinseiko before. And, you know, everything just fits real nicely with them. They're so small and they have uh, the signature the stamp, the serial number, all like nicely placed inside this mini. And it just works real well for me. Like I just really like them. But 
anyways uh so nevertheless that's kind of one of the things that i had to do is i always have to constantly reevaluate what i'm doing in this hobby like what i want to keep uh what i don't want to keep you know so that means a lot of times i have things that i will want to uh sell or trade away um and i do that fairly frequently like i think i'm now down to 150 cards of Kinseiko, and I think I actually could make it closer to 100 because there's some cards that are in my in my box that's not displayed. I'm thinking, do I really want to keep these? There's not really a whole lot of excitement other than the fact that they're rare, you know. So that brings me to my final point of defining this cardboard relationship. What does this mean to me personally, and how how's this uh, working for you? So for me. I realize that there are a number of uh, circles in, in cards that are important to me at varying levels. Um, and when they intersect, the certain cards that do intersect various circles mean more to me. So uh, these circles are, uh, and I'm going, you know, I, I'm not actually reading this or anything, I'm just kind of going off my memory. Uh, but these circles are rarity. Uh, so rarity is important to me looks the uh the look of the card the enjoyment i get when i see it uh you know that's a, that's important it's a circle uh wow factor if there's like a jumbo patch which kind of goes with looks also i guess but or bat barrel or something um an interesting story uh so you have this handful of circles that for me personally um, I'm not going to keep really any cards that don't have at least some overlap here. And so, for instance, there are some really rare cards that I sold or traded away because that's all they had going for them is they were really rare. They didn't do anything for me when I was looking at them. Um, I also, when I came back, uh, you know, into collecting Conseco, uh I had a lot of cards that I was really excited about that were refractors they are base refractors um different inserts and parallels and you know really cool stuff i've changed doesn't mean that'll change that won't change back because i very well could uh but these cards were beautiful but they weren't rare so they didn't really speak to me and really kind of the way that i thought about it is if i wanted them i could always get them down the road because they're not really rare um, so I'm okay with them not living in my box, especially if it means that I can use those funds for something that is rare. So, um, so I got rid of, rid of those. There's some cards that have stories, like really good backstories that uh, I'm probably, you know, more prone to keep. Uh, but, uh, so I think those are probably the three, um, the three main circles for me so the rarity the looks and the story so uh if i have a card that um is for instance i think about this i'll give you an example there's a 1990 donner's aqueous that's a very rare card um i don't have one anymore because it just looks like a 90 donner's card <laughs> to me you know it's a uh, very rare card uh, I've owned probably about five of them at this point. Um, 
and I would definitely not put it past me to try to get one again down the road. Um, but with that said, it's not something that I would be excited about uh, putting on my shelf. So I don't have one. Uh, here's another one that might surprise you. 1993 Finest Refractor. I do not have one of these. I used to have about 20 of them or so. I sold all of them uh, because again, it's just not something that's like super rare. So it doesn't really kind of, you know, quench my thirst, so to speak, for, uh, you know, a spot in my collection. Which, by the way, I've considered hard having like a hundred, like limiting my Casego collection to a hundred cards and that's it. Um, I don't know about that. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see if I can get there. I'm not really sure, but um, that might be a goal sooner than later. Um, but anyway, so uh, that's a card that, uh, like I said, it's beautiful, but it's, you know, not wildly rare. Like you don't have to wait for a couple years for one to pop up. It's just always going to be available if you want one bad enough. Um, so when it comes down to it, what it comes down to, uh, to it is like you have like the, you know, the 98 PMG or the essential, essential credentials cards or, uh, 97 Pinkle totally certified. Like these cards, the 98 Crusade Red, these cards are beautiful and they are really rare. So that kind of uh, hits all the marks for me. Uh, and also on top of that, there are fun stories that go behind these cards too. So if I have a personal history or story to go behind a card, or it's just a fun hobby history behind a certain card, um, you know, I would probably be more prone to keep the card as well. Uh, but again, they have to be rare and beautiful also most of the time. Uh, and also another thing is, is I've uh, limited myself to having like when it came, when it came to like barrels, knobs, buttons, these types of cards, I've limited myself to having one of each for now. Um, I don't know if that'll change, but I don't really have too much excitement or desire over having like five barrels or five knobs or five buttons or whatever. I really just kind of wanted a real nice one repre representation of each one. Um, so that's kind of where I am. I feel like I've been chiseling down what I want to do uh, over the past few months. And the more I chisel, the more um, fulfilling it is, the more exciting it is. Um, where I'm really kind of narrowing down what I want to do. And again, this might literally change. I do this with vintage also. Like I, I change my uh, taste for vintage uh, somewhat, not nearly as, not nearly as much as the Canseco stuff. I probably have more brain power into the Canseco stuff. Um, because I feel like I have to be more careful with, with this stuff because like there will just be cards that, uh, <laughs> of Kinseiko, if I get rid of, I might never see again. So, uh, <laughs> when it comes to vintage, I don't have a whole lot that's like, uh, rare to the point where I'll never see it again. Um, though I do have some cards that it'd probably be a pretty good bet that I may never see some of this stuff again, but I just have a lot more rare stuff in Kinseiko. So anyways, um. So like I said, as I was, uh, as I've been going through this for the past 
two or three months, like really kind of defining the cardboard relationship, going to the, uh, the diamond cutting stage, as I've said in the past as well, uh, it's been very rewarding and very fulfilling. And I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned that sometimes I buy, uh, with super collector tendencies. So what does that mean? What that means to me is I will see a card online for sale that's super rare that I've never seen before and my knee-jerk reaction is to pick it up. But then I start thinking about, wait, why would I want this card to begin with? Oh, well, if it's a 99 Pacific Emerald something or other, uh, you know, card, it might have meant that I completed my run of 99 Pacifics uh, as a super collector. Well, the thing is, is I have no 99 Pacifics because none of them really appeal to me uh, as far as the base cards go. So, or the parallels really for that matter. So the question would be, why would I want an Emerald card just for the fact that I'd never seen it before uh, for sale? And so that's been kind of freeing because I can now step back and go, oh, wait a second. There's no compulsion to purchase things just because they're rare or super rare. You have to kind of look at it with uh, a discerning eye, uh, realizing that, you know, and, and maybe you have to realize this as well. I don't know. But uh, that, you know, <laughs> maybe it's not, uh, maybe being a super collector is not something that you want to do. Maybe it is, and you know, if it is, then by all means have fun and you know go for it. But if you're not, you know, because remember, I think Topps Archive Signature Series has has proven to be a very good lesson for many of us out there. That it kind of flies in our face to to remind us that we cannot have it all. Like we just simply cannot have it all. That's a good thing. <laughs> you know, that's a that's a very good thing. In fact, like. Uh, in the 90s, that's kind of where a lot of collectors were stuck. They were frustrated because they could no longer have it all. Um, so, and, and you know, 2021, it's wildly different from the 90s. There's like way, 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 way more cards now. And especially when you have companies like Leaf that are <laughs> creating eight different parallels of a certain card and numbering them one of one, out of two, out of three, out of four, out of five, uh, so on and so forth makes it almost impossible uh, for somebody to complete the whole rainbow nowadays even. So never mind, get everything, forget, uh, forget you know, fulfilling a single rainbow. So, um, you know, anyways, it's, uh, it's something that I think if we can come to the realization that this hobby is more of a buffet as opposed to, um, you know, get everything. Um, I think we will be a lot more satisfied. There will be a lot less compulsion on our rehabs uh, to try to get everything uh, just because it's rare. Because remember, uh, just because it's rare may not be something that you truly in your heart of hearts really want uh, to begin with. And that's kind of what I've learned. Like there's, <laughs> remember I was actually going through uh, a few people that I know as their websites um, that have like some amazing things. And I looked and I remember a few short years ago, I would just drool over everything that they have. And now I'm looking and I go, ha, huh, interesting. 95 to 98% of the stuff that they have simply doesn't appeal to me anymore. And uh, 
kind of a kind of a strange position to be in um, because it's so different because I was on this like one track for so many years but uh, it's so much more fulfilling on the side like just picking up the stuff that I really want that you know and I'm not really into rainbows or anything but like when it comes to like picking up a card like if I get a card for my Kinseiko collection I want to be able to look at it hold it up by itself and be really happy that I have it, you know. And there were just a lot of cards that that wasn't the case. Like, and just as an example for the 90 Aquaius, Aquaius, however you pronounce it, right? <laughs> um, it's a uh, very rare card. Uh, and, you know, it's, it was released during the playing career of Kinseko as well, which is really neat. Um, during my childhood. However, it just looks like a base 90 Donners card. <laughs> you know, and uh, don't get me wrong, guys. Like, there is a very, very special card. It's just not fitting what I'm trying to do nowadays. And, uh, again, like I said, I reserve the right to change my mind tomorrow about that, where I might have that as my grail card that I'm, that I'm after. You never know. <laughs> But because uh, that's how it goes with me for some reason, it seems like. But um, in any event, it's a uh, very special, very unique card. But it's just not something that fits me right now. It's not something that I can, that I would put on my shelf and go, oh man, look at that. I could just stare at it for hours, you know. Like I could the, uh, you know, the 97 totally certified uh, platinum uh, gold card. I mean, I can... You know, I could look at that thing forever. So that would definitely be a keeper. So anyways, or the 99 Brilliance 24 karat. I mean, man, I love that. Uh, super rare at 24. Uh, I sold it, traded it back, and I sold another copy of it. Or I sold it again, and I ended up trading someone else their copy for it. And uh, you know, so that's kind of fun. Also, it adds to the story of that card as well because um, <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen one for sale before, and I've already gone through two, which is pretty cool. So, uh, really fun. But it's a it's a card that sits on my shelf that I could just look at for hours, and you know, that's definitely a top hundred card. I mean, shoot, that could be a top top ten card, perhaps even um, because it's so nice and so rare and everything. But Anyway, so those, those are some things I was thinking about. And as always, I'm kind of want to encourage you to reevaluate your collection constantly uh, to see if you uh, truly in your heart of hearts are going down the right path with your collection. And also, it just sometimes our collections just need pruning, just like gardening does, you know. So uh, it's fun. So, you know, don't stress out about it. Be, be glad that you have this to do and you know, truly enjoy it. So anyways, uh, those are just some of my thoughts that I have for tonight. So thank you all as always for listening. Um, oh, and by the way, uh, my book confessions of a baseball card addict that is going to be, uh, for sale. I'm going to extend that sale 999 for the paperback 299 for the ebook on Amazon. I'm going to extend that sale through, uh, the rest of August. So if you have not picked up your copy, please do so. Um, I would love to hear your feedback. And uh, yeah, so thank you as always again for listening and I hope you all have a great night.